Good morning, church. How is everybody doing this morning? Good. Man, it is so good to be here. Can we just celebrate how good God is for him bringing us here today? It's so cool. As I was, uh, as I was getting up this morning and, and getting ready to go and just... Uh, just kind of praying and, and uh, spending some time with the Lord to see what he would have to say to us today. I was just reminded of his faithfulness, okay? Y'all know we serve a God that's faithful, right? Did y'all know that? So I, I felt led to share this. And by the way, my name's uh, Buck Benton. I'm the campus pastor here. And I'm very thankful, honored, and humbled that I get to serve in that capacity. And, uh, and I'm excited you're here. Um, but I was thinking about it this morning. I, I felt led to just share with you kind of the story of this church and kind of how we're here and why we're here. Um, if you're new here, let me just say I'm very thankful that you did come to church with us today and I'm excited that you came. Uh, this church was birthed out of a vision about a little more than a year ago. Uh, I was in a job, I was working as, a, as an assistant principal and um, going to our campus in Vidalia and uh, serving as a wrestling coach and just kind of in my dream situation and uh, all of a sudden, God said, I've got a different assignment for you. And so um, he just began to put this vision in, in my heart, and he began to, uh, to stir some people around us. And so three families, we've, we've kind of picked up our lives in Lyons Vidalia, and we felt like Dublin is where he was calling us to go. And literally, y'all, there were people from Dublin messaging our church. You know, we're one church that meets in four separate locations, unified around one simple mission, and that's connecting people to a growing relationship with Christ. That's our lifeblood. That's what... We do. And so people were messaging our church and just saying, hey, I don't know where you guys are going to go next or what you're doing, but we're praying in faith that Dublin's uh, your next step. That's what we're, we're praying that connection would come to Dublin. And so uh, it just so happens me and my wife lived here a couple years and built some relationships with some incredible people. And all of a sudden, this vision that started here just started spearheading that this was our next step. This is where God wanted us to go. And y'all, since we've taken that step and since we began this church with about three couples and then it started in a little basement, all right? And like there was like a group of 10 to 15 in the basement last summer. Y'all, we've seen God do incredible stuff. I want you to stop and just look around a second. Is this not incredible? How good is our God, right? And so since that time, we've seen 17 people take their first step to trust Jesus as Lord. We've seen eight people take their next step to be baptized. Next week, we're going to dunk some more, and we've seen more people that want you to know that Jesus Christ is Lord of their life. And y'all want to know the best news? Because of the saving work of Christ, we always know the very best is yet to come. Amen. The very best is yet to come. So we believe with all our heart that God has things he wants to do in Lawrence County that he's not done yet, all right? That he still has people he's calling to himself and he wants to uh, bring captives in and he wants to set them free, okay? And how they're set free is with the saving work of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we preach. That's what we're here to do, okay? And so I'm gonna try and calm down and, uh, and preach and uh, I just, uh, just want to say thank you. I'm very uh, excited for today. I'm very excited that you're here. So if y'all don't mind, would y'all pray with me um, as we pray? Thanks to God for what he's done, but also uh, pray over this message. Father, thank you. God, thank you for all you've done. Lord, thank you for the saving work that is our Lord and Savior Jesus. God, thank you for... Um, we, we've just seen you do things, God, I, could never, I, I never would have seen or imagined it on my own, God. I know it's you. Lord, I know if, uh, if this was a work of man's hands, it would have failed long ago. God, this is your church. 
And God, you've entrusted it to us. Father, right now, as I was reading this morning, God, 27 of our brothers in Egypt lost their lives worshiping Jesus today. God, I pray for them. God, I pray for that community. God, we're one church in many locations, God. That goes all the way to Egypt. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters there. Lord, I pray you would comfort their families. And God, let them know that we have eternal hope in you, Father. That this world wasn't, isn't our home. God, this world isn't our kingdom. God, you promised us the kingdom to come. Just what we're preaching about today. So God, I pray for them. Lord, I just pray over our church. God, I pray that we would just be obedient to what you would call us to do. God, help me to just uh, to, to humble myself and just to listen to your call and give me the faith to step. Lord, I pray in this time that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing to you, Lord. That I would hear from you and say what you want me to say. God, let it be nothing in and of myself. God, let it be all about you. Thank you for how good you are. I pray you'd open up hearts and minds to hear your message. God, it's good seed. Lord, I pray it would fall in fertile soil. God, do what only you can do. In thy name, amen. 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 All right, so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. And we're going to be picking up with week three of our series we've entitled... Thy kingdom come, okay? And the, the kind of the whole preface around this series and, and kind of what we wanted to do is um, kind of talk about that, right? If you've served or if you've been on any kind of rec ball team, you've probably said the Lord's Prayer. You've probably said it sometime in your life. And there's a, there's a segment in there where it says, what, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so um, we're really diving into what it looks like. What does he mean when he says thy kingdom come here? Like is he talking about like something's coming or something's going to happen or something's already happened? And we've really been diving into that. And so this week um, we're going to be in verses 31 through 35. And my message is really going to be centered around this concept, Okay. Growth and change. If you want to write that up, growth and change. Those are interchangeable. Growth and change or change and growth. Growth and change or change and growth. And so I want you to understand the kingdom of God, all right, was always designed to change and to grow or to grow and to change, all right? Unlike me. See, something happened with me when I got to be like an eighth or a ninth grader. All of a sudden, the growth start ha- stopped happening and the change kept happening, all right? And so what happened is you got like a ninth grade body with like a man beard, okay? Uh, I, I kept on changing. I keep, my, my beard keeps getting a little grayer and there's like some grays in my hair. Like I keep changing, but y'all, I've stopped growing, man. It's kind of sad, you know? And uh, this is kind of the hand I'm dealt and I trust God's sovereignty in that. And uh, this is it. So the kingdom was this. It was always designed to grow and to change. And so I want you to read with me. Um, The first couple verses, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 and 32. Read with me. It says, he told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like, remember, everything we're talking about is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted planted in his field. Though it's the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds come and perch in its branches. Okay. So again, Jesus is back to what he's been doing the last three weeks. He shares like this vague parable. Like he shares it with people. Okay. And we're, these people that are listening are like, like, what is he talking about? Right. And I find it interesting that this is the only parable that he doesn't go on to explain. But it's very obvious what he's talking about here. Uh, I want you to, to kind of um, think about this. You might want to write this down. Jesus is the seed, okay, the mustard seed. And I want you to talk about it. Point number one is this. The kingdom was designed 
to grow and change, okay? The kingdom was designed to grow and change, and I'll, I'll specify and back this up a little bit, but I want you to think about the kingdom outwardly. We're gonna talk about ourselves and inwardly what the kingdom looks like, but the kingdom of God, that means all the people of God. I heard uh, a pastor say it like this, that the kingdom is the rule and reign of Christ, okay? That is what the kingdom looks like, the continual rule and reign of Christ. And so I want you to think about that, of the people of God, the kingdom, it was designed to grow, okay? And so in the Old Testament, all right, these prophets prophesied and talked about, y'all, there's this kingdom coming. They said there's this Messiah, a chosen one. He's gonna come and he's gonna set up a new Israel. He's gonna set up a new kingdom on earth, all right? So these guys, all they have to go by is what these prophets have said for years is, oh, we're gonna set up a new kingdom here, all right? And so largely what happens when we pick up in the, old, in the New Testament, they're waiting for a kingdom to come, like a legit kingdom. Now, I may be wrong, but if the sovereign God of the universe, the God that put the sun, the moon, the stars, and everything to being, the one that put breath, that puts breath in your lungs right now, if he was gonna bring his kingdom, I figured it would come in the form of like a big army. Like, wouldn't you agree? Like, God can do anything he wants to. Like, I figured his kingdom would come in the form of an army. And uh, I'm going to use this movie a little bit. How many of you have seen the movie Gladiator? All right, man, do our country a favor. Leave here, go home, and watch it, all right? We need some manhood up in this joint, okay? And, and there's no better recipe than Russell Crowe, sword, in an arena, slaying folks, okay? Women, I, support your husband in doing that, all right? Don't, don't watch Hallmark or nothing. But anyway, um, but I think about the opening scene of Gladiator, all right? And so in this opening scene of Gladiator, there's like these really barbaric-looking Germanic peoples, okay? And they're like all out in the woods, and they're coming to attack this, this Roman army, all right? And, and I'm, I'm just going to go and tell you, it's no match. These Roman folks, they're suited up with armor. I mean, they've probably been training since they were four and like when this battle starts, these Roman folks come on swords, and I'm talking about they wipe out all these like, like crazy-looking Germanic peoples, all these like barbaric people. I mean, it's not even a contest. And so when God comes to set up his kingdom, like I would be assuming that that's what it'll look like, okay? And these guys, that's what they thought it would look like, is like God's just going to wipe out this, this Roman empire and going to wipe out all this bad stuff and sin and just set up, like come through and set up his own kingdom, okay? But understand this. You might want to write this down. The kingdom came in the form of a baby, all right? The kingdom came in the form of a baby. Jesus is the mustard seed. And I want you to think about the insignificance of this. A mustard seed is about one to two milliliters. I mean, that is like, y'all, that's like that, okay? I mean, super small, insignificant, doesn't hold a lot of weight, very easy to look over. The kingdom came in the form of a mustard seed. And it says in here that what a mustard seed does when you plant it, it grows into like this big bush, almost like a tree that's very sturdy and things can come and perch on it, all right? And so he's talking about the kingdom of God. So instead of an army coming to set up the kingdom of God, it came in the form of a baby. Now, I want you to think about this. Jesus Christ, okay, an insignificant baby, born in an insignificant manger. He wasn't even born in a room, y'all. He wasn't born in a hospital. He was born among animals in a manger. Think about the insignificance and how small this is in the light of the world. Like no big earth-shattering earth earthquake came. After the manger, understand, he was born in Bethlehem. That's like the most insignificant city in this area, in, in this time frame. So he was born in an insignificant city. Understand, on this day, when he rode into Jerusalem, he rode in on a donkey, not on a horse, all right? 
It says Jesus went on and when he, when he began to raise up his disciples, like if it were me, if I was bringing the kingdom back, I would have found like Greek scholars, like super smart people, right? I would have found super smart people. Jesus found fishermen, all right? Like I can just see it now, like scruffy beard, kind of just looking up at the sun, not a whole lot going on in that cranium. You know what I mean? Like he picked those folks out, all right? The kingdom came very, very small, insignificant. Now I want you to think about something. That baby was born a few thousand years ago. And today, out of that baby being born, about 2.2 billion people claim the flagship of Christ. All right? Think about where that baby, where, where that kingdom started. The kingdom came in the form of a baby. All right? And that baby grew to be a man that chose a crown of thorns instead of a crown of gold. He chose us. Instead of sitting to exalt himself, he chose to humble himself to us, to die on the cross for us, to pay the penalty for our sin, the sin we could never pay. And this baby said, I love these people so much, I'll go to the cross. I'll pay the penalty for them. And watch what's going to happen. I'm going to die. I'm going to conquer sin and shame. I'm going to conquer the grave. I'm going to resurrect, and I'm going to go be with my father, and I'm setting up an eternal kingdom where I'm going to bring my bride in, and they'll live and reign with me for eternity. That's what this Jesus did. That's what that baby did is he came in the form of an insignificant baby and that now 2.2 billion people in Egypt right now, okay? People in Egypt right now, 27 lost their life. They're perched on that branch. Think about that. In the form of a baby that now all over the world, 2.2 billion claimed the name of Jesus and that the kingdom was designed to grow. If the kingdom was not designed to grow, we'd still have Jesus in Jerusalem. We'd have to go look for him to find him. But yet he said, no, I'm going to leave you something better. I'm going to leave my message of the gospel. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit to you that you can experience me here on earth. All right? So understand the kingdom was designed to grow. Now you might be asking, what does that look like practically? A few things is this. God's church, all right? And I'm not talking about the church as the building, okay? Not the church as the building. You know, the church is this. The church are the people of God, all right? The church is the people in Egypt that lost their lives this morning. The church are the people of God, the people that know Jesus as Lord. That's the church. And when we gather together, Jesus said, when one or two of you gather in my name, there I will be also. That's what the church looks like. So tell me this. Is it crazy to think that the, 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 the image of the church wouldn't grow and change over time? Think about that. God's church was always designed to grow and to change and that we wouldn't always wear the same things, that we always wouldn't meet at the right times, that we wouldn't always have the stuff on the outside. But Jesus says, I don't care about that stuff. I care about the stuff on the inside, right? It's designed to grow and to change. Peter said this. I'm sorry, Jesus said this to Peter. He said, Peter, I'm changing your name to Peter because it means rock. And he says, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't stand against it. All right? God's always going to take care of his church. Amen? God's always going to take care of his church. He's going to continue to raise people up. He's going to continue to put the good message in their heart. He's going to continue to do what he does and that's to carry his kingdom forward. It wasn't meant to stay the same. We weren't meant to come in and look at each other. We weren't meant to come in and just talk about Jesus. We were coming in to, to look for Jesus to change something in us and for us to go out and grow the kingdom ourselves. Amen? It was always designed to grow and to change. It was always designed to grow and to change. Think about this. When Jesus died, all right? Remember, you remember these, uh, these brainiacs, these fishermen, like super normal people, not very smart? Like Jesus said, when I leave, 
I want you to pray, wait for the Holy Spirit, and I want you to go and preach the gospel to the nations and go and make disciples. Matthew 28 says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That means he commissioned his 12 people to go and do it. Imagine if they weren't real serious about the kingdom. Y'all know we wouldn't be here today, right? Y'all know that? The kingdom was always meant to grow. If not, it would have died with those 12, but the kingdom was meant to grow, that he wants to use us to grow his kingdom, and I'm gonna share why. This is my commission to you guys. We're talking about the kingdom outward. We're about to talk about the kingdom inward, but outwardly, it's our turn to carry the banner. Y'all know that, right? Brothers and sisters in Christ have been sharing the gospel, have been growing in their faith to the Lord and been sharing it with other people. They've been doing that for 2,000 years It's almost like characters in a movie. It's our turn. We've stepped onto the screen now. God's calling you. And here's the thing. You might have walked in here today. And one thing I hope you see, there's no perfect person in here. I hope y'all know that, right? There ain't one. All right? Including the voice that's coming out of this mic. There's not one perfect person in here. If you think you're too broken for Jesus to use you, you're dead wrong, okay? He took the lowly things of this world. He took those that were farthest from God, the people we would think he could never use them. And he used them and he turned the world upside down. All right? So I want you to understand something. You can and will be used by God if you'll let him. Okay? You can and will be used by God if you'll let him. It's our turn to carry the banner. Amen? Y'all good? Y'all fired up, man? Are y'all ready to go? Like, I, is it just me? I mean, I got stuff going on, man. You get to preaching about Jesus, and I just start moving around, and this stuff starts coming out. Anyway, let's, let's read verse, uh, verse 33. Talking about the yeast. He's going to share another parable with us. He told, them then, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and I will utter Things hidden since the creation of the world. You might want to underline that. Things hidden since the creation of the world. And this is my pitch. If you don't have plans to come be with us on Easter, change your plans. All right? Change your plans. You see that where it says the hidden, the things hidden since the creation of the world? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about next week. So if that stirs your curiosity of something that's been hidden since the creation of time, come on back. All right? Come on back. That's what we're going to do. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God and what that mystery looks like. And so I want to focus on, though, the yeast, okay? How many of you, we got any bakers in here? Any ladies? Maybe guys. I'm not going to judge you if you do bake. But, um, but yeah, so uh, this is really awesome what happens with yeast. Like, this just blows me away, all right? This blows me away. And before I get started, I want you to write this down. This, the kingdom was designed to change us, okay? The kingdom was designed to change us and then to grow through us, all right? Hear that again. Change before growth. The kingdom was designed to change us first, to change something in us before it could grow through us. The kingdom was designed to change us, then it could grow through us. And I'll show you why. Like, God's a genius, if y'all haven't figured this out. Like, it blows me away, these examples he uses. You guys know what happens with yeast? And so, when you've got, like, flour mixed up, and you're getting ready, and you're going to bake, and so you've got this bit of flour, and it's kind of just sitting there, when you sprinkle this little bit of yeast in it, okay, they're actually like little tiny living organisms. Like they're alive. Like it blew me away. Kind of creeped me out that I eat this bread. But anyway, they're alive and they move out through this dough. And so when you drop a little bit of yeast in that flour, them junkers go to work, all right? 
And what they do is they get the moving all through the bread and what they're doing is eating sugar, all right? They're eating the sugar out of the bread and as they're eating the sugar, they're releasing carbon dioxide, all right? And I know there's probably some chemists in here and if I'm like 100% not accurate, don't judge me, okay? All right, this is church. Um, don't judge me. Anyway, but understand, what happens is they go and they eat away something and they release something different, okay? They eat away something and they release something different. Like how applicable is that for us, okay? See, the Bible says this. It says when Jesus gets a hold of us, when the gospel falls in good seed, it changes our heart, all right? And what it does, it begins to expel sin and release Jesus. What it does is it gives us the power to turn into something that we weren't. All right? Now, I'm going to take it a step farther. God's a genius. His, his examples are far better than any I could come up with. You know what happens to that bread? It doubles in size, and it becomes a brand new creation, right? Like it was this bit of dough, and then it rises and doubles in size. And what happens is when a little bit of yeast gets in there, it, 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 it creates a new creation. So here's the deal. Some of you came in today, and maybe you've had a hard heart. You've been shutting Jesus out. Once you just let him in, he's going to do the rest. Amen? You're going to become something you know you could never be on your own. That's the saving work of Christ, is when we trust Jesus as Lord, when we trust this message, the kingdom was designed to not grow us first, but to change our heart first, all right? Think about it. Like, man, this is awesome. Like, it makes sense. Like, that's what it does, and it begins to expel sin in our life, sin that we know we've had in our hearts since we were here, since we've here. Maybe for some of you, it's been that, uh, that, that addiction to to. Maybe it's drugs or alcohol, or maybe it's pornography, or maybe it's pride. Maybe it's the tax bracket you want to get in, or maybe it's your job. Maybe it's out, something outside the bounds of marriage. So just whatever you've been dealing with, you've been thinking, these are the chains I've been born with. This is what I'll always be. And Christ says, just let this yeast get in. Let the Holy Spirit come in. Let me tr Trust me as Lord and watch the work I'm going to do in you and through you. All right? Isn't that crazy? Isn't it on us? Isn't it great that it's not on us to make ourselves righteous? Like, isn't that good? Like, I would fall down every single day. Like, I know I could never live up to God's standard, but God's like, I know you can't. But watch, I'm gonna send the one who can. Isn't that, man, that's, that's cool. I, I just blew me away this week. I hope it's cool to you. Like, I'm like, that makes sense. Like, I know before I came to trust Jesus, like, I couldn't do it. Like, I wanted sin more than God. And I really wanted sin all the time. Like, everything was about me. And then I finally said, God, I, I can't get to you on my own. I can't work my way close to you. God, I can't do this. Lord, you gotta do something in me. And guess what? When I took that step of faith, he did something in me. And then he began to do something through me. All right, you see how the kingdom of God works? It has to change something in us before it can do something through us. We become a new creation. So you ask the question, well, what does this look like? What does this look like? It starts subtle, y'all. Here's the deal. When we trust Christ as Lord... We don't just become like this super Christian. Y'all know that, right? It's like the yeast doesn't hit the ground and like it's all through the dough. It says it has to work and eat its way through the dough. It said it was about 60 pounds and says it starts the process that it begins to eat and erode sin in our life and that we begin growing, okay? And the biggest evidence is this. You might want to write it down that the good yeast that the Holy Spirit has come inside of you desires change, okay? Write this down. Your desires change. And that beforehand, I didn't care about telling Jesus to anyone, once he got a heart, hold of my heart, I had to tell him, tell him to everyone. I had to share the gospel with everyone. Some of you, it's community. I've never wanted to be around people. I've never wanted to love people. Now I like, had this desire to be more around people and learn more about Jesus. Um, 
Sometimes it comes in the form of serving, as I was sharing with our connectors before. Uh, you know, talking about serving is, I love it so much because what it says is, I'm about him more than me, okay? Like, sitting is about me, serving is about him, right? Serving's about him, that we have this need to, God, I've realized how much God served me that he gave me Jesus. Even though I've been a messed up sinner, I've got to serve other people ahead of myself. It, we say it in this old shirt we had, it said, serve people, serve people, right? We understand how much Christ has served us, we begin to serve others. And here's the truth, y'all. Change has to happen before growth, all right? It's impossible to get Jesus and remain the same. Hear that one more time. It's impossible to get Jesus and remain the same. I've used this example a few times. Um, oh, I'm going to use it since Anthony Johnson fought. How many of you watched the fight last night? Anybody in UFC fans? All right, terrible example. Okay, uh, uh, I'm going to my, back to my football example, all right? It's like a kid. He grows up and he gets to be about 10 years old and he says, I am a football player. In fact, I'm a professional football player. And he says it definitively, all right? And that 10-year-old child never picks, up a, never picks up a uniform, never puts on shoulder pads. In fact, he's kind of a wuss and he can't tackle, all right? And he says, but I'm a football player. Like, I'm a football player. I guess who I am. Like, I'm a football player. Does that make him a football player? No, right? Like, God has to do something in us, and, and we begin to change and evolve is when that starts, that vision, like, I'm a football player, and it begins to work. Those weights begin to be lifted, and those muscles begin to grow, and those pads come on, and he begins to learn how to tackle, and he begins to learn how to do all these things, and that when he gets, becomes full-grown, he's a mature football player, right? In the same way as how many times we trust Jesus that we claim him as a, we're a football player, and then there's nothing that follows it up. It's impossible. But understand this. You will burn yourself out in a heartbeat, okay? Understand this. We weren't designed to try and grow and change. Hear that again. We were not designed to try and grow and change because I, I believe many of you are where I was is that I tried to grit my teeth and become a Christian. Anybody done that? Teeth gritting method, you know? I'm just gonna do less bad stuff and I'm gonna start doing more Christian stuff. All right, And what happens is before you let God change your heart and you give your life to him, it's like running into this wall over and over and over again. Like you just run into this wall. In fact, it's like unleavened bread is that you, as unleavened bread, you're like, man, I want to rise up and become something different. Okay, I want to rise up and become something different. Can bread change itself? No. Am I crazy? No, it can't. Right. It's like asking leavened bread to grow. Doesn't work that way, does it? Unleavened bread to grow. I'm sorry, bread without yeast. See, God's word says that I'm the potter and you are the clay. Can clay change itself? No, we gotta beg the potter to do it. Wouldn't y'all agree? We've gotta beg the potter to change us and say, God, I can't do it. I can't change myself, but Lord, you can. Lord, change me so that I can grow. Don't let me fall into the trap of trying to grow so that you'll approve of me. Let me give my life to Christ. Let change something in me, Lord. You see how the kingdom's designed to work? I told you we'd say this a lot. Changing growth, changing growth, right? Changing growth. See, many grow without change and what they end up with frustration and defeat. That's what religion does. Religion says you've got to clean up and put this outward thing. Like you're getting it if you'll clean your stuff up and go out. And Jesus said just the opposite. He, he flips that on his head. He says, come to me as you are and watch me change you, okay? It doesn't matter what's going on out here, Okay? Christ, Christ wants what's in here. He wants to do something in you so that he can begin to do something through you.
That's good news. That's good news. So I want you guys, and, and y'all, I was spending time, and, and I really was tempted to just craft this message, and it's Palm Sunday, right? Like I'm supposed to craft this message that just flows together, that just like has this great flow. And, and um, I was actually meeting with um, my friend Dave here, and I was telling him, man, I feel like the Lord's telling me in my heart to preach on conquering sin. And so I'm like, but it's going to mess up my message. It's going to mess up my message. Like, God, are you sure? And he's like, no, I want you. Someone needs to hear this. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 6. Now, I've never preached a chapter for the, final, for, the final, uh, for the final part of this message, but one of you, God just said do it. And so um, I know this isn't a perfectly crafted message. It goes off at the end, but here's the deal. I mean, look around, right? Look around. This isn't normal what God's doing here anyway. Wouldn't you all agree? It's not normal what God's doing here anyway. Turn with me to Romans chapter 6. So I, I believe, and let me share my heart, what I believe is happening in this room. I believe there's people here that have been trying for a long time and have been losing for a long time. That sin is ravaging you. That sin is doing what it does. And that's leading to death. That is hurting you. That is hurting you. That, that, that It's defeat. It's waking up and in defeat. Like this life is not what I thought. Like I cannot get ahead. Like this thing is beating me up. I believe that's people in here today. And I believe that's why God told me to preach this message. And so uh, just to give you some context. In chapter 5 he talks about. Um, death through Adam and life through Jesus, that he says that if we would trust Jesus as Lord, I'll give you life, okay? And y'all, that's the message of the gospel. Talking about that yeast, the message of the gospel is this, is that while we were yet sinners, as we disobeyed God, we were far from God, we sinned, we messed up. God said, I love those sinners so much, I'll send Jesus to die a death and pay a payment they could never pay. That I'm gonna pour the penalty due them on my son and they would trust me, I'll save them. I'll save them right where they stand. That's the good news of the gospel. And in light of that message, okay, I want you to look at Romans chapter six. And he says, if we've received this message, this is what he says. What shall we say then? Shall we just go on sinning? That means disobeying God, just doing what we want, living for the world, so that grace may increase? By no means, he says. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized in the Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We therefore buried with him through baptism. That's what we celebrate next week. It's an outward expression of this going on inwardly. That's why we do it. It says we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we may, we may too have a new life. We may live a new life that we'll let this yeast, this good news of the gospel, the Holy Spirit fall on this bread and we're gonna rise and we're gonna grow into something we know we could never be on our own. <laughs> we too may live a new life. Verse five, for we have been, if we have been united with him in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. That means he conquered sin, shame, and the grave. It says, we'll be united with him in a resurrection like this, for we know that our old self, now look, I want to press there for a second. The kingdom was always designed to change us. You hear that? The kingdom was always designed to change us. It says this, listen. It says the old self, our old self was crucified. There was something different before Christ met us. The old self was crucified with him so that the body that was ruled by sin, that means things that disobey God, 
might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Understand this, sin's not your master anymore. In Christ, he wants to free you from the bondage of sin and shame. He wants to release you to live life in freedom, y'all, that we wake up every day in freedom. Amen? It says anyone who has died has been set free from sin. So I want to ask you this today. I want to ask you this question. Have you ever come to that point in your life where you saw sin in your life, that it disobeyed God, that it hurt the heart of God? that I need changing, that I can't change on my own, but rather I, I've got to respond to this, that this message is beginning to become true in my heart, and I want to know Jesus. I want to know Jesus is Lord. Ask yourself this question. Is that I believe there's people that have woke up and you think you're all right, but the reality is you're not, that you're bound by these chains, these chains of sexual immorality, these chains of things that, well, no one knows about it. That makes it okay. And the thing is, it's just like God changes us from the inside. Sin eats us up from the inside. And it begins to do something in us that eventually comes out out of us, all right? See, sin's very serious. And sin is not lying to your husband or wife. Sin is not lying to your mom and dad. Sin is a condition we're born into. That before Christ changes our heart, we could do nothing for him. That we are hopeless of pleasing God on our own. Sin separates us from a loving relationship with God. When Adam died in the garden, it fractured this world, y'all. It made this kingdom not our home anymore. And y'all, if you're being honest, there's something wrong with this world. Wouldn't you agree? When 27 people come to worship the name of Jesus that want to serve their community and a bomb gets placed up under a pew, there's something wrong with this world, right? We're dealing, we're dealing, I've, I've, I've lost family members from tragic accidents, murder. I've lost people to cancer. Like, there's something wrong with this world, and what's wrong with this world is sin is that we weren't designed to live and reign forever in this world. We were designed to live with Christ and the one to come. All right? That this world is dying and passing away. This world won't always be here, y'all. In fact, I'd say it like this. This is kind of an example is we're on the Titanic and it's already hit the glacier. It ain't like it's supposed to be. It ain't on course. In fact, it's sinking. All right? And God said, I know it's sinking. I know this world's falling away. I know this ship's going down, but I love you so much, I don't want to see you go down with it. I'm going to send the rescue boat, and that's a good name, his son, Jesus Christ. I'm going to send the rescue boat that if you would hop off this boat and come and trust me, I've got the raft right here. I'm going to rescue you. That's good news. I want you to look at verse 15. We're going to finish the text. What then shall we say? What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, all right? Hear that again. If you stay on the ship, it's going down. Or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that through you, you used to be slaves to sin. Remember that former self, before that yeast came inside of us, okay, before the Holy Spirit came inside of us, we used to be slaves to sin. You couldn't defeat it. You have come to obey, uh, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance, okay? I love that word. You have been set free from the sin and you have become slaves to righteousness. And I want you to think about that. That word allegiance means that we follow the one who's in front of us, okay? That our allegiance is no longer sin and self, that I live this world to be here, that I live on the sinking ship, but rather my allegiance goes to the ship. 
My allegiance goes to Jesus Christ, that he is my life. He is on the, I'm on his rescue boat and I'm gonna follow him. My allegiance shifts from sin and self that everything here is to set up my kingdom and my allegiance shifts to the kingdom to come. Amen? That's what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. Get into the lifeboat, man. He's already sent it. You don't have to work to get in. Just hop in that thing. He's already sent it. He's sent it on a ship that's going down. I want you to look at verse 21. It says, What benefit did you reap at that time 